Good morning and welcome to Faithbrook Church. We're so glad you're here with us, whether you're in person or online. Well, if you are newer to Faithbrook, we would love to get to know you. We don't want you to be just a number. So there's a blue connection card in the seat pocket in front of you. If you would fill that out, um, we want you to be known. So leave that in the giving box on the way out. Well, thank you so much for all the donations that you guys have brought in for Operation Christmas Child Shoeboxes. We are so excited to do our packing parties with our youth and Level Up and Kids Zone. Well, at Faithbrook, our vision is to lead people into a new and thriving life in Christ. And a big part of leading people into a new life at Faithbrook is through personal invites. So if you've invited somebody recently, awesome, way to go. Um, and we hope you continue to do that. We heard this great story about a couple members who invited a friend of theirs. That friend has already invited somebody within a couple weeks um, that was a coworker of theirs. So when you are doing that, you are leading someone into a new and thriving life in Christ. So who can you invite? Who can you lead? Let's now welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we continue our series, Faithful. Remember when you first started being influenced by your peers? They used to call it peer pressure, right? I, I think it happened to me around maybe a sixth, seventh grade. I was kind of interested in girls then, and then I noticed that what I was looking like and what I was wearing was not exactly attracting any of those. So I said, hey, I noticed that my other peer guys, they kind of look a little bit more hip, and especially those jeans and and I had to compare those jeans, but they were scratchy, and I didn't like them, but they seemed to be in, so I started wearing them. And, and then I noticed that I had to do something with my hair. I know it's hard for you to believe, but I used to have some really cool hair, right? But uh, and, and back then, you know, I had to do something more than just a bowl cut, right? If I was going to fit in, and the peers were all getting uh, parted down the middle. So I had to figure out how to part it down the middle and kind of get it feathered back. Hello, right? And I remember the event I first debuted my new hairstyle, right? Because I was one of the guys now because everyone had that kind of parted down the middle look. Well, for the rest of my life, I would notice that people and peers would have a great influence on me for the good and also sometimes for the negative. And this influence, maybe a little bit of this pressure, is going to be the next element we're going to look at this morning in our series called Faithful. We're looking at fueling our faith in the world that is empty. Yes, our world seems to kind of deplete us and exhaust us sometimes, not to mention our own selfishness and nature within us draws us away from God. So what are those elements to have a faith that is full, not mediocre, not just kind of halfway, but is robust, that is enduring, that is devoted. Is there some elements that can help us get there? Now, we're going to look at six elements that help us keep our faith full and, and enduring and persevering, maybe even exciting. 
Now, last week, we introduced you to one of the first elements, and that is the word of God. To be full of faith, you have to be full of God's word, because God's word can be very inspiring. It can be very comforting. It can be very replenishing. Also, the word of God can be very confronting of how we're living and what we're thinking about and and going through life. But if we're going to be full of faith, it starts with his word, God's word. Now, when you get into the word of God, a lot of us all going to be pointing to the centrality of Jesus Christ. Like I mentioned before, we just don't have good feelings and maybe some kind of religious kind of ethics, right? It really boils down to our whole heart and focus on this central figure of Jesus Christ who proved himself as God himself that lived on our earth and he rose from the dead and died for our sins. And the more we trust him, the more we say, yeah, our faith is built on Jesus, not just some kind of rules or traditions, but on this person of Jesus, the more it becomes personal to us and the more full we get with our faith. And we learned that living full of faith starts with putting your full faith in Jesus, that we can count on him. He's going to be our solace. He's going to be our portion. He's going to be our strength to navigate through life. He's going to be center of our faith. So what would be a second element that help our faith to stay full and be full? Can I suggest to you that the the second element is awakening to the power of the influence The power of influence. Oh, it powered me up when I was in seventh grade, right, to change my hairstyle or to wear some scratchy jeans, right? But it can help us spiritually. We've noticed that without the power of others, we easily lose steam for anything. It could be a sport, could be a job, it could be um, some social settings and even spiritual settings, that without the encouragement of other people kind of influencing, we lose some steam, Last week, we talked about our, our glass. If it, a glass uh, of, of liquid uh, it was our soul, would it be uh, half empty? Would it be low or would it be full? And if we just let it sit there, a lot of times evaporation happens. And we just slowly but slowly lose our faith, lose our mojo, lose our motivation for the things of God. The experts are telling us that when churches opened after the pandemic, only about 75% of the regular attenders came back to the church. We, we, wasn't, we didn't know how, what the fallout would be socially in our society and even with churches, but we're finding now that maybe 20, 25% of people just kind of drifted away. Uh, some just kind of got out of the habit, right? Uh, maybe they, they just rather sit at home and maybe uh, just kind of uh, watch on, online. And we're very thankful that people watch us on, online. And, but we would really like for you to, to come back if you can. And some people are watching us from out of state, right? They're, they're part of our online community. But it's just easy to kind of fade away and, oh, I, maybe we'll watch you. I'm not sure. And, and, and sometimes we, we find that our faith can easily just kind of dwindle away it's not that we lose faith. It's not that we turn our back on Christ. But without the motivation and that implication of, of influence from others, we can just kind of have a menial faith, a, a half full faith, just kind of hanging in there. I, I think one of the best analogies is the, the bonfire, 
right? That if you've had bonfires in your campgrounds or backyards, whatever, you, you know it takes some logs and, and you put enough logs on there, man, all of a sudden there's some energy that they just create together. They start burning more brightly, they give off more heat. But if you wanted to, to uh, squelch the fire or, or shrink the fire, you, you start pulling logs away. And if you've ever seen kind of a, a log set aside by itself from a bonfire, it, it will burn for a little bit, but pretty soon, just, this, just the mechanics of it, it, it will lose its steam. It will lose its fire and just become smoldering. Could it be that that's what happens spiritually when we do not um, embrace the, the element of influence, that it's just pretty soon we are not full like we should be? There's a church down in Georgia named North Point, led by a pastor, Andy Stanley, and uh, they did some research about how did people grow in their faith? What were those uh, elements, those points, catalysts, if you will, to grow in faith? And, and one was what we discovered last week, that uh, people have to understand the word of God and really practical, that it, that it connects with their soul. If you just preach over your head and it's just all kind of... Uh, hyperbole and stuff, people zone out, right? It's just got to be real that God speaks through his holy word. And it's like, yes, I'm getting it. I'm making the connection. The second thing discovered is this fact that many times people lose faith when they lose contact with people of faith. People kind of shrink in their faith when they kind of drift away from people of faith. It's just kind of a human nature, right? And many times that can happen. Now we see evidence of the importance of spiritual influence, social influence, even in the Bible. Jesus talked about it, especially the, the writers of the epistles, the letters of the New Testament. There's Peter and there's James. And of course, the Apostle Paul, he, he wrote a lot. And so we have some of his letters. And, and one of the letters we've been looking at, uh, we looked at it last week, is the letter to the Thessalonians. Thessalonians in chapter 5. Here's this kind of baby church. Uh, they just, a few Christians are together. He started it, founded it, and now he's away. And, and he's hearing that they're kind of in the balance. They're, they're kind of questioning, right? And he's like, man, we, we got to hang in there. And so in chapter 5, he, he kind of contrasts um, people of the night, people just kind of sleeping, uh, people of the day. And in chapter 5, verse 11, it starts this way. But since we belong to the day... Let us be sober. The word sober means to be intentional. Let's kind of wake up. Putting on, or we would say filling up, look at it there, uh, faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. If we're going to be Christ followers, we, we got to pour in these elements of hope, of faith, and love that people notice that. But for Christ did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all, all the, the scriptures in our Bibles, it's all going to be pointing to Jesus Christ, the centrality of our faith. He died for us so that with, whether we're awake or asleep, we may live together with him. This is the vision. This is Paul is trying to communicate to these people that are kind of in the balance in there. He says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Just as in the fact you are doing. Therefore, all this fact that you just heard, right? To fill ourselves with hope, love, that Jesus Christ is for our salvation. Man, encourage one another. Build each other up. That word build means to edify. Edify means to restore or to bless or to help and 
in some way. Uh, this is the heart of God. Because Paul knew, uh, the writers knew, and Jesus knew that staying connected to people of faith grows your faith. Staying connected to people of faith is a huge element to fill your faith. Who are you hanging around with? Who are you connected to? So, so what does this look like, right? Well, can I give you three kind of categories of, of people of faith that influence and impact people? I, I would say one of them is a personal influence. This is kind of one-on-one influence. Uh, um, Chrissy was talking about how people are inviting uh, others to Faithbrook. And that's a huge influence, man. Just befriending somebody, helping someone inside our church. We kind of ask this question to our partners and our staff. You know, who's your one? Uh, who, who are you looking out there that you might befriend, uh, care about, pray about, that you might have a spiritual conversation or especially an invite uh, to Faithbrook? Because personal influence is so important. Uh, just this last week, I heard one of our attendees, a uh, partner, we call our members partners, uh, that, that he went to a, a class reunion. And he was catching up with an, um, a friend that he knew back then in school, and they were yucking it up, right? And then they started talking about some of the classmates who have uh, passed on. Next thing you know, they're kind of talking about you know, uh, where are they and, and, and a little bit of spiritualism. And he kind of probed this classmate, you know, about do, do you believe in the afterlife and heaven? And, and then he got into Christianity in the, in the Bible. And, and this, this classmate is like, yeah, I, I, I don't know much about the Bible. I kind of wish I knew the Bible. I'm an I'm a English major. I like literature, but I don't have a Bible. And this, this attendee says, well, I can get you a Bible. L- let me get back with you, and I'll give you a Bible, and you can uh, read through it. And, and he did that. This is last week. He did, got it to him, and he said, why don't you start with the Gospel of John? It's pretty down to earth, kind of gives you a synopsis of the whole Christian uh, uh, viewpoint, right? And I'm so proud of him. That's influence. You never know what God's going to do with this friend that's far from God, probably irreligious, but because the word of God can penetrate and speak to us, and he had the courage to befriend him, uh, God's going to work through that. Uh, That's the way this personal influence kind of uh, happens. Uh, We know that we have personal influence with our kids, right? Uh, In fact, uh, hopefully, if you're a parent, you have the greatest influence on your kids. You you are discipling and you are influencing. And we have grandparents here that have a personal influence in their grandchildren. Those those grandchildren might not be going to church. I don't know, but they're they're looking up to you. And how you model, how you uh, show love and grace, uh, they're kind of uh, measuring that. They're taking readings on, and can I trust you if you claim to be a Christian? And you don't even have to preach or speak a lot of times when we have personal influence of the people around us um, they are maybe uh, having some spiritual questions in their soul and in their mind. One of the greatest times that we can have a personal influence uh, to others who might not be convinced of Christ is in crisis time. Uh, is when the chips are down and things don't seem to be fair and there seems to be injustice. Where is God? And a lot of times they will look to Christians and say, how do you view that? Uh, what do you say about that and, and how we come off and, and what do we say it can be so influential, so critical on people's process in their spiritual uh, thoughts. 
Um, I, I remember when I was a, a teenager, uh, I went to a church like this and praise God that they, people gave generously through the offerings and they were f- able to afford a youth pastor who was probably one of my greatest influences of my spiritual life. And uh, we had a tragedy in the church and I, I don't know, I was probably a, a senior, junior, senior in high school and um, it was sad, right? And it didn't seem fair at all. Uh, this guy and the preacher guy, they're, they're telling us how loving God is and trusting God and he's all good and you can depend on him and we're all secretly, privately saying, well, that's not good. Uh, that person was a saint. That uh, person is, had tragically died. You know, how do we process this? And I remember we're kind of gathering in this, uh, this house, kind of mourning this, this tragedy and, and he comes walking in, right? And I, I'm, I'm in privately, I'm just like, what's he gonna say? What, what, what is the big guy, the, the expert? You know, how is he gonna deal with this tragedy? And, and I, to this day, 40 years later, I remember his profound words that affected me. This is what's his words, ready? He looked at all of us boys and he says, life stinks. Life stinks. That's it, right? That's the profound words. But those two words, what was he communicating to us? He was saying, man, this, this, this stinks. That there's no easy answer. Uh, life can let us down so, so many times. There's tragedy. And, and in those words, it was like, you know, as Christians, we don't always have to have the perfect answer. Uh, we, we live in a, a cruel world, right? But, but God is good. And, and he was just showing his raw emotions. He was grieving. He was upset. He was processing. And it's not like we just lose your faith. It's like, hey, man, life is real. And, and it stinks. But we're going to hang in there. And God would help us through those times. That, those words influenced me. Just how he is like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting too. And we don't have to be just this perfect China glass type of Christians. And these, these little cheesy quotes, man, the life stinks. I was like, man, if, if he's in the trenches, I can be in the trenches. And we're going to continue to heal and, and process uh, forward. So, you know, as, as the opening clip kind of said, you know, who, who's the person that influenced you? They had a personal influence you. Hopefully there were some parents. Hopefully there were some grandparents that influenced you. But outside your family, was there some pastor, was there some friends? Maybe it was a neighbor. Maybe it was a co-worker that kind of like pricked your interest or modeled for you or kind of drew you to church or Christ. Who, who was that person to help fill your faith? The second element, I would say, in this influence is communal influence. Uh, community influence helps us spiritually, helps us socially and individually when corporately we are caring and edifying and building with each other up. I, I think this is one of the tricks of the, the evil one that doesn't want us to have community or communal um, edifications to each other. I, I think one of the tricks of the devil is to kind of separate us. You look in the word of God, and it tells us that he comes to steal, kill, and deceive. He wants to deceive us. We see in First Peter uh, that Peter tells he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Right? It's kind of like that, that analogy with the bonfire. If we can just draw people away, right? eventually you're kind of get discouraged, a, 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 a little um, doubting, and before you know it, you're kind of like you're, your faith is not full. You're just kind of barely hanging on if we can separate. That's why gathering is so important. See, I think we underestimate the value of communal gathering. 
Uh, we might not know each other personally, but just the volume of people that come around, and you're like, okay, I, I'm, I'm not the only Christ follower in town, right? There's other people. And before you know it, that encourages you. That, that kind of builds you up. There's a supernatural uh, thing that God does when the people of God come together and say, we're, we're in this thing. I, I think the Hebrew writers were trying to communicate this. When it says, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And, and there's a lot of people who are not sitting here or watching online. They, they're out of the habit, right? Their, their faith is not very full. But encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. He's talking about when Christ returns. And, man, every time I look at the, the headlines, I'm like, he's coming back quick, right? So we need to come together and encourage one another, edify, build each other up, right? And, and, and know that you count. Just, just showing up, people are like, Wow, okay, they, they took the time uh, to come together, and that encourages people. See, a lot of times, uh, the world is always drawing us, right? It's distracting us, it's deluding us, it's depleting us. Our, our nature is to, is to kind of do our own thing, right? And, and, and just kind of just work through the week and, and, and grind down, right? Grinding out, depleting us. But God had a plan that his church, his people, it's his life-giving uh, arm to edify and encourage spiritually. So what life depletes, the church can replenish. This is a big deal in God's heart. This is a big deal at Faithbrook. That Sunday mornings, let's say, and, and uh, youth nights on Wednesday and Tuesday, there's a big deal. Because you've had a tough week. Half of you are falling asleep because you're exhausted. You've been going crazy, amen? I hope you're not falling asleep, all right? And so if you're going to come, man, we want you to be replenished. We want to be on top of things, and the coffee is hot, the the music is wonderful, right? Hopefully preaching is somewhere there, right? To replenish because life is tough. And how we operate makes a difference, right? We really do need each other. Even though you might not think you're needed. See, a lot of times we're like, well, if I don't show up to church, it's no big deal. Because you're kind of just thinking of yourself, right? But it is a big deal because people are like, well, did, are they coming? And are my friends coming? And, you know, if there's only 12 of us here, it, it makes a statement to our soul. But, but, uh, but there's a, a, a healthy number, right? It's like, okay, right. And then you're, you're giving off signals to people, right? I remember it was formative in my life when I was a teenager. Many of you know that I, I made a, a pretty big decision to follow Christ, pretty dedicated when I was 15, 16, right? I was still in high school. I get up there junior, senior year, right? And man, things were fun. I looked over at my peers and man, they were having a great time at those parties. And they were like, hey, comfort, come with us, man. And there's girls and drinking and fun. And, I, and I'm like, you know, that's probably out of lines with God, but whoo, that looked attractive, right? And so I was, I was kind of in the balance. Am I going to stay with my Christian faith? My, my faith is going to be full or am I going to kind of drift over here with all the other people? And my church and the people of the church were so influential for keeping my faithful and keeping me facts. Because so when I went there, there was the there was the youth pastor, right? He challenged me, he loved me, right? But it was the other people that were not clergy that made an influence in my life because I was kind of subconsciously or consciously kind of reading other people. I'm really subconsciously as a 17-year-old thinking, do I want to grow up and be like these people, right? Because some of them were just kind of, I'm like, no, I don't want to be a Christian like that, right? I'm going over here. Let's have a party kind of deal. But there were others that their faith was full. 
they were vibrant and they cared about me. I, I, I think about the, the head greeter. I, I'd walk in there and that guy would make me feel like a million bucks, right? How are you doing? How was your week, right? He was also the church basketball coach. And I kind of wanted, I kind of liked him. Like, look at me, pick me, right? Uh, because I was kind of into athletics, right? I remember a youth sponsor named Ken Schaefer. Uh, this guy was just your ordinary kind of uh, young dad, and he would come on Wednesday nights, and he would teach the Sunday school thing, and he just had a, a joy about him. He would always be laughing, and after church, we'd go out to have cokes or something like that. He he would go. And, and he was just cracking jokes and stuff. I was like, this guy's fun. And, and this other guy's fun. There, there was the parents of other of my peers, right? And they just didn't care about their kid. They cared about their friends' kids and others. And, and so they would, they would uh, invite me over and feed me. And they were in church. They were sitting right in front of me or back there. And, and they showed up for volunteering and other things. And I'm like, these people are pretty cool. They, they even kind of, a lot of those parents kids kind of adopted all of us and said, we want you to keep on the same track. It was all kind of put together. There, there was a, a businessman named Eddie, and Eddie was one of kind of my heroes because he was a really good basketball player, and our church had a, a basketball team, and, and I'd watch him. He was a Vietnam vet. He was in the combat, and he had his own uh, business right, and, and he would uh, kind of pay attention to us, and we'd pay attention to him, and, and, and subconsciously, I'm just like, you, you can do that? Right? You, you can grow to be a young man, and you can love Jesus, and you can attend church, and you can have a little money in your pocket, right, and play a little basketball, right? And, and right there, they were forming me, and they were having an influence on me. You know, I'm so thankful to be around a church that has influence. This is going to be tough for me maybe get through a little bit, but uh, some of you know that our church was a church before and it's a long story, but we were, we were raising a, a, another son, uh, t- seems like 20 years ago. Uh, it was probably 20 years ago, right? And now he's a 30-year-old married man in Montana, and he's highly involved in his local church. His faith is, is full, and he's trying to give out to others, and, and, and he teaches a, a life group class, and he's involved, and we talk, of course, and we talk about the old days and stuff, and, and, he, and, he, and he, there's some great memories of him growing up. In, in the older church, right? And uh, a lot of times PKs, those are pastor's kids, a lot of times they don't have good memories. Uh, a lot of times there's dysfunction in churches, there's splits, and, and those children uh, are, get, get influenced by that. And, and they grow up sometimes and they kind of leave the church sometimes because the way people, what people said and how they treated each other, that formative years mark them, right? And they kind of like, eh, right? Well, my son didn't have too much of that, praise God, because you, not the pastor guy, but the lay people, the leaders, showed love, cared. And sometimes my, my son could be obnoxious, right? But the people gave grace to him. The people loved him, right? And he grew and, and became a young man, and you had an influence and. In, in, Sometimes we talk about it. he had to bring up people in our church. And, and he talks positive about them. It was kind of like he's like, yes, that's how I want my life to be modeled by. I'm not called into ministry like you, Dad, but, but I want to be one of those faithful Christians. I want to be one of those people but, that the church can count on, and, and I will be there because people communally, corporately influence him. So that's the hope here, that you count. 
that the, there's teenagers sitting in here and teenagers on Wednesday night and Tuesday night and what you do and you don't do makes a difference for them because they're all trying to figure out if they want to follow Christ. So make it a priority to come around because staying connected to people of faith grows your faith. Make it a priority to be in worship. Make it a priority to, to volunteer or to uh, shake hands or ask somebody's name out in the, the lobby because you care. Now, thirdly, uh, part of this is a deeper spiritual influence that can have a positive impact in our life. Uh, this is more formative times. Uh, churches use the word discipleship. Discipleship means a, it's, a, uh, uh, it's a form of a student, right? That, that you're a learner if you're a disciple. I, I remember a couple of years ago, one of our leaders of our church movement, uh, uh, the Faithbrook is part of the Church of Nazarene. There's about 30,000 Nazarene churches around the world, and we have a couple of hierarchy people, right? And one of them was Dr. Jerry Porter, and he challenged all of us, lay people, clergy, the whole, whole movement, with this question. The question was, who is discipling you, and who are you discipling? Who is discipling you? In other words, yes, you, you're a veteran Christian. You know a lot about the Bible, but are you allowing people to speak into your life? Who is teaching you? Who is building you up? Who is discipling you? And by the way, who are you trying to build up? Who are you influencing? And and, and discipleship comes out of that great commission in Matthew 18. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, um, baptizing them and teaching them everything that I've taught you, right? The discipleship. And here's the thing about discipleship and spiritual influence it, it's not always just the, the educated clergy people, right? It's for everybody. You're really not off the hook, right, to have an obligation to help influence and disciple someone spiritually. Now, now sometimes that, that comes formally, right? And we do have some one-on-one discipleship where people are doing a Bible study. It's awesome. They're learning, right? Here at Faith Rook, we really like to get people in life groups, right? And we have some life groups, eight or nine life groups, where people gather in living rooms, and they're opening up to the Word of God. They're listening to a teaching, discussing. This is discipleship. People are allowing to be taught. People are allowing to be influenced in a spiritual way. I, I'm, I'm proud of um, uh, uh, Chrissy Thompson. She's not here today, right? But, but she's not educated clergy, but she had a burden in her heart and says, we've got all these moms around here, suburban moms. We maybe need to have a club or a group. So she started this as once a month moms group, right? And she's got like 50 on, the count, on, her, on her roster, right? And, and she's doing her best to influence these mothers and all the strain and strife of, of growing uh, young kids and stuff, doing a great job. She's willing to do that. I was thinking of a young couple a couple of weeks ago. They said, we, we want to be an influence. Let, let's volunteer for children. We haven't done this before, but we'll, we'll go for it, right? And so they go and volunteer back in the kids' zone or, or back in the preschool, right? And those kids are, are edified. They are blessed because these people are willing to do crafts with them, right? Kid with them, kind of crowd control kind of thing, right? And every one of those children are like thinking, or maybe they're not thinking, but they're like, I'm glad you're here. I had a better time because you were here and what they didn't know that they're discipling these young people. They're influencing these young people in a spiritual matter. So how are you being discipled, 
right? Who is speaking into your life? It can't really just always be dependent on a Sunday morning or online, but more of a, a, communi- a communal way that people are discipling you. And then the other question is, right, who are you influencing? Who are you discipling? Hope if you're a parent, hopefully you're discipling your kids, amen, right? Uh, but maybe it's a neighbor. Uh, maybe it's volunteering here at the church, right? Because staying connected to people of faith grows your faith. From, from what happens in our lobby to what happens in our kids' room to our worship center to a life group, living rooms, it all counts on this influence element of replenishing and filling our faith. Uh, we, we see it more as a, as a positive peer pressure, right? A spiritual pre- peer pressure to, to um, be of God. And that's part of who we are as Faithbrook. I mean, one of the things that warms my heart, and I believe it warms Christ's heart, is when you edify each other. Like uh, after church, I'll say, amen, you're dismissed. And I'll see pockets of people linger around, right? And they're catching up with each other, right? They're saying, hey, how are you doing? Did you get that plumbing job done, right? They're, they're making friendships, they're getting sticky. Sometimes they're giggling, right? They're encouraging each other. Sometimes there's a sad moment. And I see some people just stopping and praying. They're not asking the pastor to come over, right? They're just taking initiative to influence and love those people. That's the heart of God. And when we get out here in the lobby, instead of just taking off, right, and, and not talking to anybody, God wants us to be in community, and so we take the time, maybe get a cup of coffee, right? We introduce ourselves and, and we, we uh, learn about their kids, right? Because those kids are like, do I want to come to church? Am I valuable around here? Do, do I count? And you, not so much the pastor, you can make a spiritual influence when you reach out and love people the best you can. So I want to give you three things to encourage you to take home today. A couple of three assignments. Number one. I want to encourage you to to identify who had the greatest spiritual influence on your life and to thank them. Okay, take a moment to think back. Wow, who influenced me? Maybe it was your mother, uh, but maybe it was a coworker. Uh, maybe it was someone here at Faithbrook, uh, uh, someone that that made a difference in your life, and try to thank them. Send them a text. I don't know, a note or something. Hey, this month during Thanksgiving, I just wanted to thank you that when I was in that bad time in my life. I was ready to give up on God. It didn't make sense to me. You seem to live the life just by your words and your care and modeling. You made a difference. Thank you so much. The, the second thing I want you to just kind of do this week is allow yourself to be influenced. Allow yourself to be influenced. Let someone speak into your life. Man, I want to. I want to encourage you to attend or, or to watch if you're away to watch. But go deeper than that, right? Uh, uh, we do have life groups that are available. Uh, there are, are volunteer opportunities where there's staff and there's leaders that encourage you. To, but be allowed yourself to be discipled by someone. We even have one-on-one people who say we'll meet you, meet with you at coffee and kind of teach you some of the basics of the Bible. And thirdly, man, I want to encourage you to decide to be an influencer, right? It might be your coworker. It might be your neighbor that you're the only Christ follower, right? Would you have the courage to kind of just 
befriend them and, and love them. Maybe it's a matter of volunteering and say, yes, you know, I'll help with the guest service team. I'll help with kids or I'll help uh, clean around here. And I want to influence uh, that people have a great experience because life can be depleting and the church should be there to replenish. So think about that. We always have the red card in front of you. That's a great way to communicate with us. Drop it in our, our offering box on the way out. If you'd like to volunteer or be uh, influenced or be discipled, you can contact us through that way. And then finally, let's, I'd just like to propose this to you. I think it was Jim Rohn who said, you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. You're the sum of 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 the five people you spend the most time around, right? So who are those five people that you spend time around? Uh, are, do they have a faith in Christ Jesus? Uh, or maybe not. And, and we might need to make some adjustments, right? Um, who's speaking in? Are those five people? They are speaking in your life, if you know it or not, right? And, and, and if they're not very healthy, maybe we need to find some other people uh, that would influence or spend more time with them to disciple and care and, and make a difference in our lives. So I encourage you to pray about these questions, right? Who's the, who's the greatest spiritual influence in your life? Are you allowing yourself to be influenced? Let's be intentional about that. And, and three is, uh, would you be an influencer? Would you disciple someone uh, for Christ and spiritually in, in the Christ faith? So why don't we stand, I'll close us in prayer. It's a beautiful day today. Thanks for watching us today. Thank you for attending. And uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, that you were the greatest influencer. You influenced when you walked through the streets of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, and you just loved people, and you cared, and you stopped. And eventually, you would be betrayed and arrested and taken to the cross, God. And what you did on that cross was the greatest influence in our spiritual life. So God, may we who claim to be Christ followers live that out by influencing others, God. Let everyone know that how we just um, uh, interact with each other uh, makes a difference socially, uh, corporately, in Christ's name to keep our faith full. We ask these things in your great name. Amen.